I'm going to start in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. I'm going to kind of pick up where I left off last week, talking about the assignment, the wonderful assignment and partnership that the Holy Spirit, the Lord, is inviting us to. And I've lost sleep over this whole thing. It, actually, I won't say I've lost sleep. Um, losing sleep is when you can't sleep, but you want to sleep. So I haven't lost sleep. I've just stayed awake just thinking about this stuff and just being excited about Kind of like Christmas morning or, you know, when you're excited about the presents that you get to open up on Christmas morning and you're just excited and can't sleep. That's how I've been feeling about this wonderful adventure that the Lord is inviting us on. And we'll talk about that today and next week. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Revelation 12, 11. And they have defeated him, talking about the enemy, the accuser of our brethren, Satan. They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb, by their testimony, and... A lot of times when we hear this verse, we hear the first two parts. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And we all say, amen, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And we get excited about that. And we should be. The blood of the lamb who has washed us and cleansed us and we're forgiven and we're born again. And the word of your testimony, what God has done in your life and what he's doing in your life. Those are two powerful components of how you overcome the enemy. But the third part has to be included. And this is the part that particularly we as Americans don't want to talk about. But the third part is, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Or the translation says, loving their lives even unto death. Not loving their lives even unto death. In other words, willing to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and not being afraid to die for him. Not being afraid to die for Jesus. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, how many of you are followers of Jesus? Would you raise your hand? Okay, so he's talking to you. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Are you ready to give up your life for something that's eternal? Are you ready to live for something that has purpose beyond just this life. You know, I made a comment, um, probably more than once, but I made it fairly recently, a couple of weeks ago maybe, that I had this conversation with the Lord, and I said, Lord, I am not interested in having a big church. You know, to me, it's not about filling this place up and saying, wow, look at us, look at all these people that are coming and that we get to influence and we get all this kind of stuff. I'm not excited about that, and I don't even want that, unless 
unless this church is full of people who are all about his kingdom and are wanting and desiring to impact this community. And you know what the Holy Spirit told me this morning during our, our pre-prayer and declarations? You know what he said? This is that church. And it surprised me because I was thinking, you know, someday, you know, this place will be full. We'll be that church that impacts this community. Holy Spirit says, this is that church. You are the people who are and will impact this community. You are the people who will cause transformation or be a part of God bringing transformation to this community. You are those people. You already are those people. This is that church. And I have to admit, I got a little excited. Just a tad bit. When I realized it's not something we have to look forward to in the future, but he says now. And it changed my perspective. You know, the Bible says that God is looking for worshipers. The Father's looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. We are those worshipers that he's looking for. Jesus is looking for people who are willing to lay down his life for him. We are those people who are willing to lay down our lives for him. Sometimes we may not feel like it. Sometimes we may not act like it. But that is our identity. When I do stupid things or I make mistakes or I sin, that is not my identity. He says, me and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That means you're a partner with him to accomplish cool and powerful and crazy stuff. That's who you are. Not who you're going to be. It's who you are now. Right now. Actually, I guess maybe an hour ago, because that's when he told me. You know, we are not like the people who show up at a movie theater or a movie 15, 20 minutes late because we don't care about the previews because all we care about is the main event. But we are people who recognize and embrace the importance of worshiping our king. We recognize the importance of coming here together so we can be equipped, so we can go out there and impact this community. We're not like people who believe that church attendance coming together is optional. And it's something I do like if I feel like it. If there's not a game, if my team is not playing at 11. But we are people who have laid down our lives, we've taken up our cross, and we're following Jesus, and we're saying, Lord, whatever you say, it's yes. Wherever you want me to go, it's when do you want me to go. That's who we are. This is why I'm losing sleep or giving up sleep. You know, when you worry about things and it rolls around in your head and you kind of become captive, victim to that, and you can't get out of it, you know what I mean? You wake up in the middle of the night and then all of a sudden your brain kicks in and you start thinking about stuff that you're worrying about or problems 
and it just and it's just like you just can't and you try to go to sleep and the more you try the longer you stay awake i've experienced that before but now like the other day i woke up at 4:50 no 4:16 all of a sudden, I had this thought pop in my head about you people and about what you're going to be doing. And I didn't want to go back to sleep. I just laid in bed. Well, at first I thought, oh, no, i got to get up in about three hours. I better go back to sleep. But I kept thinking. It's almost like the toys that I'm going to get under that Christmas tree. You know, that excitement that builds up. I begin to think of the people who are going to be delivered the people who are going to be saved and set free, the people who are going to be healed because you lay your hands on them. I had a lady tell me the other day, she says, would you pray for me? I'm like, sure. And she, No, she says, I have a question for you. I said, okay, because I know we're in this particular context, but she says, I'm asking you as a pastor. I said, oh, okay, so I sat down. She began to tell me what she's dealing with, and she told me that her daughter was rescued a number of months ago from sex trafficking. And she began to tell me that the challenges that she's going through, that her daughter is safe and at home and all that kind of stuff, but the challenges she's going through and everything, and I'm thinking, why is she talking to me about this? And the thing she's talking about, she's talking about supernatural stuff. I mean, her daughter experiencing and seeing demons and angels and, and all this crazy stuff that a lot of churchgoers would shy away from because they don't really believe that that stuff's real, especially here in America, or particularly here in America. In other countries, they don't have that issue. And I'm thinking, why is she telling me about it? She didn't even know. I mean, she knows I'm a pastor, but she didn't know what kind of pastor. She didn't know what I believe, and she's telling me this stuff as though she thinks that I, I believe this stuff. And then I remembered something. I said, hey, when I spoke at this, were you there? And she's like, mm-hmm. Like, oh, I opened my mouth and you heard what I said. Because in the context that I was sharing in, I was challenging these people to be heroes. I asked them, I said, why are the Hero movies so important, like Marvel, you know, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, all those. Why do those movies make the most money? Why are they so important or so popular? And then one of the guys said, because we all love heroes. And another one said, because we want to be heroes. And I said, almost the right answer. I said, I believe God has called every single one of us to be superheroes. Iron Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> How many of you know who the ultimate superhero is? Can you tell me his name? I mean, can Spider-Man raise the dead? Can Superman heal the sick? Can Batman cleanse you from all your sin? But Jesus can, right? The ultimate superhero? 
And what did he have the audacity to say? He said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He was talking to Nicole when he said that. Just like in the same way that the Father has sent Jesus, he's sending joy. Superhero. And so when I was talking to this group of people, and I was talking about them being superheroes, and I was challenging them, because as Christians, a lot of times, we make our goal staying off drugs, being out, staying out of jail, being nice to people, not having premarital sex, and we accomplish that, we're good. That ought to be the bottom requirement. That ought to be a given. But the standard that God has for us is a whole lot higher and a whole lot more awesome because it has to do with loving people, seeing them set free, and delivered. And in this context, when I was talking to these people and that this lady happened to be at, the Lord gave me a word, and see, I was in a context I didn't know. Well, I thought, you know, this might be the last time that I'm asked to speak in this group. But I'm going to give them everything I got. If I need to apologize, then I will. But I wasn't doing anything that I, that I knew was going against. I mean, I knew the, the, the leader, so I knew he was okay with it, but I didn't know how these people were going to respond. So I just began to challenge them to be, because they were Christians, to be the superhero that God has called them to be. And then the Lord gave me a word, I don't know if a word of knowledge, a prophetic word or something, but I said somebody here, and it could have been more than one person, God is calling to rescue people from the sex trade. And so fast-forwarding back to recently, that lady was in that meeting. And she said, I said, so you, I said, do you remember when I said that? And she's like, mm-hmm. I had no idea that her daughter was in that situation. And had, as a matter of fact, when I said that, her daughter had just been rescued recently. And so when I made that declaration or that gave that word, that was a very real situation that they were dealing with. So this is why this lady felt safe to talk to me about these things that she doesn't feel safe talking to a lot of Christians about. I mean, the things she was saying, the things that her daughter's dealing with and everything. I mean, it's not the nice, cozy, Ward Cleaver-type Christianity. There are people in our community, and here's what I found out too, talking to another sister, because I connected her with a lady in our church that I know is not afraid to deal with this stuff, because her and her husband are called to this stuff, and so I you know, got them connected. But I learned that here in Stillwater, America, There is sex trafficking going on. That's what I did, Brian. My eyebrows went up. I'm like, nuh-uh. Oklahoma City, okay. Tulsa, I get it. L.A., 
Of course. Stillwater? I don't think so. Wrong. And here's why I'm excited. Here's why I'm losing sleep, or giving up sleep, shall I say. Because you and me get to do something about this. God is inviting us to partner with him to see the captives set free. And we're not talking just spiritual captives. See, a lot of times we think, oh, people who are in bondage to sin or, or people who have bad thoughts and they can have better thoughts. We're talking people who are literally held captive against their will. We get to play a part and seeing them set free and that whole thing busted up. I mean, the perpetrators either repent, or go to jail, or get taken out. And I say that unashamedly. Hopefully repent. And that's what I've been praying and declaring. I've been in a situation that I've, I'll talk about in a minute, that I'm getting names given to me. People are saying names of the bad guys here in town. This guy's evil. These people are evil. Because they'll tell me, you know, some people, they end up in jail. They're not evil. They just made dumb choices. These people are evil. Watch out for them. You get close to them, you're going to get hurt. I take those names, and I begin to make declarations. These people are going to have Saul to Paul conversions. These people who are the big bad guys are going to be the come, who are going to be declaring the kingdom of God, and people are going to fall on their faces and repent because they're going to see the glory of God coming through these bad guys, and they're going to say, I can't believe it. God must be real. See, that's what the Christian's experience was when Paul got saved. They were afraid of him because he was a bad guy. The dude was bad. He was like the ringleader of ISIS. He took out Christians. And he thought he was doing God a service. And then Jesus appeared, knocked him off his high horse, and Paul bowed to the king. And we get the pleasure of reading a lot of what Paul wrote in the New Testament. And Christians who were afraid of him, God sent, I think it was Ananias, I think that's his name, is that right? Is that right? To him, and he ministered to him, and then Barnabas ministered to him. But Paul got saved, and, and many Christians would have thought it's impossible for him to get saved. There are people here in Stillwater, in Payne County, who many of us would think it's impossible for them to get saved. It's impossible with man, but it's not impossible with God. This is why I give up sleep early in the morning. Because you people are crazy enough to believe God's word, and you people are saying yes to the king, and some of you, like Charlie, are just chomping at the bits to lay hands on the sick, to confront the enemy, and to see people set free.
something has changed inside of me than this last year. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Last year, dying for this city was nothing more but a metaphor for me. Now I'm ready. If it takes me laying down my life for this community, I'm ready. I'm sick and tired of nice Christianity because that will not set these young ladies free. These notorious drug dealers, they don't need pizza parties and video games. They need Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. Jesus isn't coming back until he comes back. I mean, when, there's going to come a point when he comes back, and then it's over. Until then, he's, come, he's here through you. The hope of Stillwater is you. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? Remember what hope looks like? Hopeless like Charlie. Hopeless like Chuck. Hopeless like Amaral. That's what hope looks like. The hope that God put all his eggs in one basket. That basket is you. You are the hope of this community. You are the superheroes that God has called you to be to rescue the oppressed. To see the bondages broken so people can walk in freedom and victory. That's what you're called. That's what you're supposed to do. And guess what? It's time. It's time. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Can't think of another word. So what is this assignment that I believe the Lord is inviting us to partner with him in? Now, first of all, I want to say that I'm not under any delusion that we are the only people in Stillwater, we are the only Christians who are going to be part of this process of seeing transformation happen in Stillwater. I just want to get that out there now. It's just going to be us. We're the only ones, we're the only ones that love Jesus, and we're the only ones he can use. Not. We are part of the army that he has here. There are many Christians in this place, in Stillwater, Payne County, that are passionate about the king. And they're saying yes to Jesus. And they are doing their part. And we're joining that army, and we're going to do our part. And I believe as we all do our parts, we're going to see heaven fall and people set free. There have been people in this town that have been praying for over 30, 40, 50 years for revival. 
and they don't even come to this church. How dare them? <laughs> so we are going to play a part, and I believe the Lord is giving us a particular assignment. We may not be the only ones that he's given this particular assignment to, but that's not my concern. My concern is, okay, Lord, what are you wanting us to do? The assignment is to corporately release and declare the peace and blessing of God over our county and city while intentionally walking in love towards the people in it. It's not just about praying, although we're going to be praying and declaring. But just as important, if not even more important, is intentionally walking in love to the people that live here. I mean being intentional about it. And we're going to talk about that. What does that look like? The Lord is asking us to partner with the authorities over Payne County and Stillwater, namely the sheriff, the chief of police, OSUPD, and the mayor, by forming an alliance with them through serving, honoring, and praying. Serving them, honoring them, and praying for them. Police Department, OSU, Police Department, Stillwater, Sheriff's Department. As I shared last week and, and past, I feel like the Lord showed me just like we partnered with the certain corporation, with the CEO, we partnered with their authority and it gave us permission and right to expand our authority into the areas that they serve, to see destructive storms, destructive tornadoes, not bring destruction. And as I shared how this CEO, in front of some of his people, pointed out and says, I've seen it with my own eyes. And he was giving credit to the people in his church who took on the assignment of praying for their company. And I believe the Lord said, just like in this morning as I was praying, I realized there was an element that I hadn't thought of before. There was a number of us that served that company. I mean, literally, we volunteered. They did a volunteer program, and we partnered with them, and we served them for free. And I remember there were even our youth, they have this, CREC has this annual, or they used to, they don't do it that way anymore. They had this annual dinner. It's a, it's a business meeting where they invite all their clients to come, and they feed them this free meal, and it's, probably thousands, several hundred, maybe thousands. I don't know how many. It's crazy, a lot of people. And our youth served for free that event. I believe it was more than once. Was it a couple of times? And our youth from the leaders receive a lot of praise at how well they served. And what I feel like the Lord was showing me this morning is that's a very important key. Not just to pray for, but to serve and love. And that's what he's calling us to do. Not just to pray for, but to serve our community and love them. I mean crazy love. Intentional. Smacking them down with kisses from heaven. So what does this look like specifically? Prayer. There's going to be a prayer declaration meeting on Wednesday mornings from 7 to 7.45, starting September 7th, I believe. 
Let me see. Yeah, September 7th, 7 o'clock, right here in this place, declaration prayer meeting. It's not going to be just a prayer meeting where we come and beg God to do something. But it's coming and partnering with him and agreeing with what he already wants to do and declaring it. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4, it says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead, check this out, here's why, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is God's will. What is God's will for my life? Boom, here you go, right here. So we're going to come on Wednesday mornings, and we're going to have a prayer and declaration meeting from 7 to 7.45, starting September 7th. And I'm committing to this for one year. And then I'm going to reevaluate and say, Lord, do we do another year? But I feel like right now the assignment's for a year. For one year. And so I'm inviting you to partner with me in this assignment. And it's whoever, so, whoever will come Wednesday morning. However, there are requirements. The first one is, I'm asking you to read the book, Declarations. That black book that I've been selling for months. And by the way, I did not write that book. One guy thought I did. I thought he was going to ask for my autograph, you know, like a sign-up form or something. But we have some copies out there. I'm selling them for $10. I believe you can buy them online for $12. I know that's, I'm not a businessman, you know, sorry. But I'm asking you to read that book, and you can get the Kindle version so you can get it on your device, your phone instantly. And I'm asking you to commit to a minimum of one nine-week term. In other words, say, okay, I'm committing. You know how the semesters are broken into two nine-week terms? You have nine weeks a semester, nine weeks a semester. We're going to kind of break this down. I'm asking you to commit to a minimum of nine weeks. So if you say, yes, I'm going to do this, then you're committing to a minimum of nine weeks, and then at the end of that, you can re-up again. Okay? I'm also asking that you come on time. 45 minutes of power. Please don't show up at 7.15. Don't even show up at 7.05. Show up at 6.58. Do you know why prayer meetings are the least attended meetings, especially compared to potluck? Oops, did I say that? You say, hey, we're having a potluck. Hey, I'm there. What do I need to bring? Having a prayer meeting. Um, I think I'm busy that night. What night was it again? Do you know why we don't like to come to prayer meetings, including me? Because we don't believe that anything is going to happen. We don't believe that our prayers make a difference. 
We really don't. If we're going to be honest as to why we don't like to, why Christians or, you know, churchgoers don't like to go to prayer meetings is because we really don't believe anything's going to happen. So for the most, of course I'm speaking general. And some of us who show up out of obligation are because, well, I'm married to the pastor, so I got to be there. Or with me it was, well, I'm on staff and I get paid by the church, so I guess I better show up. I didn't believe it really, 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 really made a difference. And I believe most Christians are in that same category. We really, really, really don't believe. See, I believe I can show up at a potluck and something good's going to happen. <laughs> I have faith for that. I mean, hardcore faith. I'm going to leave that place a better man. Smile on my face, encouraged. Yeah, I have faith for that. Prayer meeting? Hmm. Not sure about that. I remember when Howard Katz was here, June 10th, 11th, and 12th. And on the 11th, he talked about prayer. And he told me he's going to talk about prayer. I was like, you know, kind of not physically, but in my head, kind of rolling your eyes in the back of your head. Like, oh, brother, prayer. I kind of sort of had that attitude. But that message impacted me, and this is coming from that message. When he began to speak on prayer, God began to do something and shake something in me, and I got excited about prayer, which meant, uh uh-oh, God's doing something. Because for me to get excited about prayer means God is doing something. And that's when he began to talk to me about a a strategy and an assignment that he was inviting us into. June 11, 2016. And he began to give me ideas that I believe he's put in my heart and it all began to come together. I began to understand why I was starting to feel a certain way, why I would drive around Stillwater and my heart would just be bursting, feeling like I just fell in love with everybody. I didn't know what was wrong with me. It's like, what's happening? Because I've lived here over 30 years. And I love this community. But something changed. And this year, now I can say, I love this community. And whatever it takes, whatever is required of me, I'm ready to do it. And if it means my life for his glory, so be it. I'm not going to stand around and let someone take a target practice on me. I'm going to be a hard target. But I believe in his protection. I believe in his authority that he has given me. I'm not afraid. You know, because I had these thoughts going through my head. When I started thinking about this, because we're, we're talking about praying against crime, violent crime, violent, you know, people getting killed, sexual crime, all that kind of stuff, seeing that broken, seeing that come down. Drugs, seeing that thing broken. Poverty, seeing that thing broken. An economic boom happened. 
people getting set free, people being born again, drug dealers falling off their high horse, bowing the knee to Jesus, and becoming preachers of the gospel. And these thoughts, as I'm thinking about this, these thoughts, oh, you don't know if you want to take that on, because what might happen to you or your family? Fear, trying to come in. But whatever was trying to speak to me, I just reminded him, it, whatever, greater is he who is in me than you. I trust in the protection of my father and my king. And I stay real close to him. You know, Psalms 91, I stay real close. Real close. And I believe he's got my back. I believe he's got my back. So Wednesday morning from 7 to 7.45, declarations meeting. So I'm asking you to read the book, Declarations asking you to commit to a nine-week term minimum. And I'm asking you to commit to writing and making daily declarations on four different fronts. Personal, family, our church family, and then city, Payne County. City of Stillwater, Payne County. What that looks like is there will be four different declarations or, or groups of declarations that I'm asking you to write, and you'll be making those declarations daily. Personal over your family, over this church, and then over our county. And so we'll all be doing that individually, daily, and then we'll be coming together once a week and making these declarations over our county and our city. Because, see, God is excited about personal transformation as well as he is over community transformation. And part of which changed my thinking is because my thinking is beginning to agree with what God's word says. You know, I say things, part of my daily declaration is, I say this every day, well, most days, I will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Those who come in contact with me will be encountered by the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus Christ. The same miracles that Jesus did, I do also. He raised the dead, he healed the sick, he cast out devils. Those things he did, he took authority over storms. The things he did shall I do also. And guess what? I'm beginning to believe it. Am I seeing the same percentage of people getting healed like Jesus did? Not yet. But it's more than it used to be. It's more than it used to be. And this is what he's called us to. So the prayer meeting on, the declaration meeting, that's part of it. The other part, the partnership is honoring and serving law enforcement, specifically. Now next week we're going to talk about loving other parts of the community, but the specific thing that the Lord has challenged me with is honoring and serving law enforcement. Police officers at OSU, Stillwater PD, and the Sheriff Department. Now here, how can we do this practically? I'm going to share this real quick and maybe share some more next week if I don't get a chance. But practical things. You know, it's interesting. I shared this with I've been invited into a relationship with the Stillwater PD and the Sheriff's Department. 
after talking to my, after praying about it, well, I didn't really need to pray about it because the Lord was telling me to. I checked it with my wife to make sure it was God. Now, I say that in humor, but I believe that if the Lord's telling me to do something, he's going to confirm it through her. I firmly believe that. So if I feel like God is telling me to do something, like go to another country, I say, honey, how do you feel about this? And she's like, I don't have peace about that. Then I go back to God and say, God, did I hear you right? Because my wife is not digging this. And sometimes I realize that was not his assignment for me. And sometimes I realize it just took time for her to have peace about it. So I talked to her about this particular assignment. And basically I was being invited to become a chaplain for the Stillwater PD and the Sheriff's Department. And after talking to my wife, and then the second line of defense is talking to our elders. So, hey guys, I feel like the Lord is saying this. How do you feel about it? If they don't have peace about it, I go back to God and say, God, did I hear you right? Because I believe God's telling me something. He's going to confirm it through the eldership because I'm submitted to their leadership and accountability. And they gave me the green light. They gave me some encouraging counsel. Give me the green light. So as of sometime last week, I became one of the chaplains of Stillwater PD. So that means you better act right, I'm going to throw you in jail. (laughs) Kidding. But anyway, as I was sitting there talking to the captain, Captain Gibbs, just having a, just a great talk with him. I said, I got an idea that I feel like, and he's a believer, so I could talk more freely. I said, I feel like the Lord gave me an idea. And I shared it with him. He said, that's a great idea. So I'm going to share it with you. Well, I was going to share it with you anyway, even if you didn't like it. But this idea that I got, and, and remind, I want to remind you that the Lord gave me this idea before the police officers got killed in Dallas. This is not a reaction to what's happened. The Lord doesn't react. He already has a plan. And I'm encouraged because I'm not reacting to what's going on, but this is something he put in my heart before everything just kind of hit the fan. Relationship is what's going to change things in this country. Right now there's a breach, there's a strain in a relationship when it comes to racial relations. We don't trust each other. When you look at someone from afar and you have these prejudgments, you don't trust them. Typically, when you get to know them, you realize that your prejudgments were wrong. But we, we stereotype all black people are this way. All white people are this way. All police officers are this way. And we judge and we stereotype and we keep our distance. And as long as we keep our distance, then that racism, the prejudice is going to stay heightened. And we're afraid... There's fear. I keep hearing moms, African-American moms of young black men, and they say, I'm afraid for my sons. They're afraid of how their sons are going to be treated by law enforcement because they see plastered all over the TVs how these police officers are killing every single black man. Now, we know that's not happening, but that's what's becoming the the idea. 
all law enforcement is out to get me because of the color of my skin. That's another prejudice. And it's not correct. Are there bad law officers, law enforcement? Yes. Are there good ones? Definitely yes. And just like, are there bad black people? Yes. Are there bad white people? Yes, there's bad people. Right? But I believe, I believe the good outweigh the bad. There's more good white people than there are bad. Good black people than there are bad. Good police officers than there are bad. Regardless of what the media would want us to think. So we can either stay in our corners and only like the stuff on Facebook that I agree with and stay solidified in my beliefs and my prejudice, or I can begin to reach out in relationship and dispel the lies. See, all Muslims want to blow me up because they're either all ISIS people or they have an affection for ISIS. See, that's what a lot of us Americans are made to believe. And so we're afraid. A Muslim? Whoa, better watch him or her. They might have a bomb behind them or something. As stupid as that sounds, that's the thoughts that we're being bombarded with. So what are we going to do about it? And here's the idea that I shared with, with uh, Captain Gibbs. And I'll continue this next week. I'll share this one idea and we'll share the rest next week. But I said, because this is the idea I feel like the Lord gave me. When, I, when I'm in public and I see a police officer, like in a, in a restaurant or wherever, I typically go up to them and say, excuse me, sir, my name is CJ. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for watching my back. Thank you for doing what you do so I can sleep at night. Or I can sit on my couch and watch TV knowing that everything's going to be okay. Thank you. And you know what they do? Every single one of them. Their face lights up. And they begin to thank me profusely and say, thank you, I appreciate that. I'm not being flattered. I'm not flattering them. I really mean that. So here's the idea that I feel like the Lord encouraged me with to do. And I did this the other day, and I warned my two kids, who were the victims of this idea. I said, Benjamin, Julia, I said, when we see a police officer in public, just letting you know, I'm going to want to introduce you to them. And I explained to them the, the deal. And sure enough, there's one place where typically a police or police officers park on this street. And they're there about every day. And it's over across the street from Hosanna. You guys know what I'm talking about? Because that's where you slow down. <laughs> like, see? I'm going 35. See? So we pulled in. I looked over there. Sure enough, he was over there. Or I didn't know if it was a, a man or a female police officer. They were over there. So we drove up. And we got out. And, um, and then, of course, the, the officer, he got out of his, his uh, vehicle. And I said, hey, how you doing? He kind of looked at me like, you know, is there a problem? You know, basically like, is there a problem? How may I help you kind of thing? And I said, hey, my name's CJ. 
And these are my kids. This is Benjamin and Julia. And he told me his name. Matt was his first name. And I said, Benjamin and Julia, whenever you're in trouble or you need help, this is the name you come look for. Right here. Should have seen the look on this guy's face. His face just lit up. And then in the meantime, because one thing I've learned about police officers, they got each other's back. You think you got one cornered? Watch out. They're coming up behind you. Because sure enough, I turn around, and here's another one pulling up. <laughs> and then when he pulls up, the officer, Matt, he, he, he motions to his partner. Come over here. So the guy gets out. He came over, asked him his name, told him my name, introduced my kids to him, and again, affirmed, here's who, you, here's who you look for. These are the good guys. These are the guys who have our back. And man, they just lit up. They just lit up. So here's the idea. Whenever you see a police officer in public, particularly you parents and grandparents, if you have your kids with you or your grandkids with you, I invite and I ask and I encourage you to go out of your way to approach them, whether it's in a restaurant or wherever, approach them and introduce your kids to them and say, son, daughter, these are the good guys. These are the good guys. And it's so funny, I've already done a drive-along. And I want to encourage you guys to do a drive-along. Do you realize that, I believe if you're over the age of 18, you can apply to do a drive-along, which is basically riding with a police officer during their shift. Talking about your perspective changing? I did my first drive-along Thursday night from 7 to 2.30, 7 p.m. to 2.30. It was awesome. I felt like a kid at a carnival. The very first scene that we drove upon, there were probably five officers. They all had their big guns drawn. And the officer I'm with, he says, I'll be taking this, unlocked his gun and took it. He says, you might want to go ahead and stay in the car. <laughs> I said, Roger and out. <laughs> but here's what I get to do from that perspective. First of all, I encourage you to do that. But here's what I get to do from that perspective. I get information. Now, a lot of it's confidential that I won't be sharing with anybody, but I get information, I see scenes, and guess what I do? I begin to declare. I declare that every single officer is going home tonight. Back to their families. And I remember before that shift, one thing I've learned is, you know, the weekends, the Thursday nights, the Friday nights, they're the big party nights, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And that's when a lot of the rapes happen, a lot of the bad stuff happens. Particularly, especially now, the first month of school being is when all hell breaks loose and it's all crazy. So learning that information, guess what I get to do? And they, they said, hey, you want to drive on th- go on Thursday? That's a great night. You're going to see lots of action. And I guess they get excited about that. <laughs> so I began to declare in my prayer closet downstairs. Well, it was kind of a big room, not a closet. But I began to declare Thursday night is going to be subdued. It's going to be peaceful. There's not going to be any ladies violated. I just begin to declare those things that I'm learning. I begin to declare those things. At the end of the Thursday night shift, about 2.30 in the morning, 
The police officer said, so that would be considered a slow night. Gotcha. So I'm getting a little taste of what the Lord's wanting to do on a bigger scale with all of us. Anyway, getting back to the last thing I'll share, when I'm meeting those guys and those officers, I'm saying, Benjamin, Juliet, these are the good guys, etc. That was on a Friday. See, I had already been out with this one police officer on Thursday. So when I said, you know, talking to my name, CJ, and he's like, are you the guy that did the ride around last night? I was like, yeah. Then he told his friend when he came up, hey, he's the guy that did the ride around last night with Hanson. And it's like, like, how did you guys know that? He said, oh, the email. I read my email this morning. Spread all throughout the department. But what was interesting was when he said that, you're the guy that did the ride around? It was as if he was saying, oh, you're one of us. He's part of our family. Now remember, in case you haven't noticed, I am a black man. And these police officers were not black men. So what do you think God is up to? What do you think God is up to? Let's stand together. All I'm going to say about Stillwater and Payne County is it's about to get crazy up in here. Because you people are those people. Father, we just thank you for not only setting us free, but transforming us. Thank you that you are inviting us to draw closer to you, to be more intimate with you. Because Jesus, you said that if we abide in you, we stay close to you and we allow your word to have its way in us, then we can ask whatever we want and you would do it. And we're coming after crime, we're going after drugs, and we're going after the economy. And we agree and we believe what you say, Father. We're going to see many people set free Many people born again. The churches of God in Stillwater filling to overflowing because of the outpouring in this community. And Lord, we say yes. We say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I, I want to encourage you guys to be praying about this. Actually, forget praying. Just say yes. All right. Let's just save time. But I want to encourage you to really be praying about this. And, and, you know, is this something, if for some reason now, I know some of your schedules may not allow Wednesday morning from 7 to 7.45, but you still want to participate, we can figure that out. But I just want to encourage you to say yes. I want to encourage you to get that book, begin to read that so we're on the same page. No pun intended. All right. God bless you. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you next time.